I'll tell you the first year I went official in serving coaches, I, it was a $500,000 year mm -hmm. because I knew what I was doing. Dallas Stravers is the founder of The Hive and host of the Coaches on a Mission podcast. She helps coaches soar past six figures without burning out or selling out. Inside The Hive, Dallas teaches the ripple effect system to help her clients build sustainable habits designed to propel them well into six figures without any distracting bells or whistles. But Dallas is not your run-of-the-mill business coach. She started out as an actor and even wrote the book for actors called The Tao of Show Business, How to Pursue Your Dream Without Losing Your Mind. And even though her acting career was short-lived, she did make a fun appearance in an award-winning documentary and I asked her all about it. Listen for how she made her start and how her journey led her to the coaching world where she achieved the pinnacle of success. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're celebrating our 250th episode milestone. Yay! Thank you so much. I couldn't have done it without you. And this might actually be a great time for you to tell us what you think of this podcast. I'm going to be featuring some reviews over the next few weeks, and I would love to share yours on social media. So for the love of all that is holy, please, Head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with this coach on a mission, Dallas Travers. Welcome to Get Clients First, the podcast for online coaches who have decided to leave vanity metrics behind and finally start making money by helping others now, not when we have a bigger audience, not when the time is right, whatever that means, but right now. You have the gift and your clients are waiting for you to step up and help them out. Hi, I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach, and my mission is to help you get clients now, even if you have a small audience. I cross a six-figure mark in my business before I hit a thousand followers on any of my platforms, and I teach you how to do the same. Listen for the lessons and strategies that will turn you into the coach they love to follow and can't wait to hire. This is your moment and there is no time to waste. Get ready because your breakthroughs begin now. Hi, everybody. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Dallas Travers. Hey, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. It is so good to have you here. Um, before we get started, why don't you tell everybody what is it that you do right now and who you help right now? Yes, thank you. So my name is Dallas Travers. I am a podcaster and also the founder of a mentorship program called The Hive. Inside The Hive, we teach values-driven coaches the ripple effect system, which helps them, of course, attract paying clients, become more visible, and scale really wisely. And this is all rooted in business strategies built on habits designed to really fortify your values. Okay, I need to like, I like to go back. I need to go sure. way, way back because we're mm -hmm. going to get into how you came up with the hive and how you got there. But first, can you just share with everybody where were you born and where you grew up? Oh, we're going that far back. We're okay. going far. This is your startup story. <laughs> we got to start from the beginning. So let's start there. 
It was a cold winter night, Ina. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in a small town in Quesnel, British Columbia, Canada. And actually, it's kind of interesting. So when I was born, my name was Brandy for like 45 seconds or something. <laughs> nice. And my mom met me and thought, this is not a Brandy. I'm going to name her Dallas. Oh, and that wow. was on January 6th. And by the end of that month, there were four, four or six, I can't remember, other babies named Dallas. So I started this trend in this very remote part of British Columbia, Canada. So there Wait. are a bunch of 46-year-old women walking around named Dallas now in Canada. <laughs> Where did your mom get the idea for Dallas? Oh, I think it was the soap opera. She oh. does not, but the original soap opera premiered the fall before I was born. So it was in her subconscious, right? Yeah. I she was named to that, but it's totally the show. Yeah. I was named after a soap opera too. So we really? have that in common. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was born in 1981 and there was a very popular Venezuelan soap opera on TV called Andreina. And that is actually my full name. Everybody's getting like a first information. I've never actually yeah. shared this before. My breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> so in my class in school, there were always like five other Andreinas because like soap operas like they influence us so yeah, that's so funny. Uh, can you tell us what it was like growing up for you what kind of kid were you yeah so I'm number three of four kids and I like was I was definitely the per the, the person who had the plan here's a great example to you don't need to learn anything else about me after I tell you this story so I was young probably second grade um and I would take a bath, get dressed for school, climb in bed. So this was at night. I'd take a bath, I'd get dressed for school, I'd climb in bed. I would make the bed with myself in it, sleep on my back all night long so that I could wake up and slide out of bed and already be dressed with my bed made for school. So Are you serious? <laughs> it's but... like some people might call that uptight. I prefer to call it efficient. <laughs> So you but like, I was just that kid kind of always thinking ahead and looking for ways to make the most out of my time. And yeah, so, yeah. I really want to know where the where show business came mm -hmm. into your life, because in my research going back, I see you being, you know, in the show business arena. And I had a really hard time finding where was that? pivotal point where you always an artsy kid like tell me your show business story yeah so my show business a lot of people I think assume because of my history that I at some point was a performer and that's not actually how I got involved in the entertainment industry so I was living in Washington State and a co-worker who I had worked with while, while I was in college in Seattle had moved down to Los Angeles and maybe been there for like a year and a half and I, we lost touch but out of the blue one day I got a call from him saying I work at a talent agency we have a job for you here you're the perfect person come to Los Angeles and work at this talent agency which should have been the warning because that's not like you don't become a talent agent because you worked at anthropology in Seattle with someone like that's not true Is so that what you were doing at the time you're working yeah, like totally. just like retail we worked retail like, together yes yeah so within a week, I was living in Los Angeles. I packed up a U-Haul and was out of there. And I worked at this company for uh, maybe six weeks, eight weeks, 
not long, less than 90 days, when I discovered that it was not a real talent agency, it was a scam operation, like designed to, you know, they'd have this open call for talent and you'd come in and guess what? Look at you right off the street, discovered this diamond in the rough. You're perfect for a Pepsi commercial that's shooting in two weeks, but you need professional photos first. And conveniently our photographers in the alley right now. <laughs> so they were just selling expensive photographs to people with a dream of being, of yeah. making it in Hollywood yeah. and then just ripping them off and like disappearing on them. So suddenly it made sense, you know, why they hired me because I'm a really hard worker. I care a lot about people and I didn't know anything about how the entertainment industry actually works. So like what kid, how old was I? 20, 21 years old. Like what kid thinks she's working at a fake talent agency? So it right, took me right. a little while to figure that out. But within a couple of months after that, I, I got my first big entrepreneurial idea, which was all of these poor people are really getting taken advantage of. What if I became a placement service? So instead of pretending to be your agent, what if I actually partnered with you to help you find a legit talent agency? So that's the first company that I started. And I educated myself on the ins and outs of every talent agency and management company in the city. Um, really got to learn like what their expertise were and what their personalities were like and what their preferences were. And then I had this marketing service where actors would come to me, have a consultation. I'd build a press kit for them and have it couriered to different talent agents around the city and actors were getting legitimate representation. So that's kind of the next step in the evolution was this talent placement service, I guess you could call it, or a marketing service for actors. Um, I'm going to just pause right here because admittedly, I don't remember the year that this came out, but I really need to know because I went to your IMDb page uh huh, and I saw, and you're going to tell me like, oh, oh no, 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 it's no. a completely different <laughs> Dallas Travers. If it's a completely different Dallas Travers, just like set me straight. Uh -huh. But I saw that you had a credit in Supersize Me. Yes. And I'm yes. like, I, I got to know. I, I loved that <laughs> which came out like, like around, right around that time, like before 2010. Can you tell me the Super Size Me story? Yep. So I was living in Santa Monica, California. I had a pink beach cruiser and was like cruising around the Santa Monica promenade one morning and two guys, right? One with a camera, one with a mic stopped me and said, you know, we're doing this show. We just have one question to ask you. Um, what's a calorie was the question, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and I'll tell you, um, these guys. So my answer was, Hmm, that's a good question. It's the way you measure energy. Like I actually knew the answer to the question, right? But if right. you watch the, the film, there's this little montage where they're talking about like the calorie count in McDonald's food. And they do this little montage where they ask a bunch of everyday people what a calorie is and no one knows the answer. So for like a hot second, you will see me saying, that's a good question with my little bike helmet on. And then they didn't actually give me credit for knowing the answer. 
But it was it wasn't the point. They wanted to prove nobody yeah, definitely. knows. Yeah, totally. you you were not proving their point. That's amazing. I loved that. I now I need to go back and watch it and yeah. see you in it. Uh, so if anyway. I remember, Ina, I'm even wearing sunglasses, so you'd have to really know me to recognize me. But if you're looking for me, you'll find me. But now I know, <laughs> and now we all know. Um, yeah, so, tell me the story of you gearing up to writing your book, The Tao of Show Business. Mm -hmm. First of all, that book came out in 2012. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to know what gave you the like the the oomph to go and write a book. And you do need to explain to us what Tao means. Why that title? Yeah. So like Taoism, right, is the way and it's kind of this philosophy around allowing and going with the flow of the energy that you find yourself in. So what I found in the purpose of the book is that a lot of emerging actors, and this is such a perfect parallel for emerging entrepreneurs. It's the same story, different passion. Mm -hmm. But a lot of emerging actors fall into this thinking that the harder the, I work, the more control I have. So they get so looped into working really hard that they're not as strategic as they could be mm -hmm. and therefore their success comes only through brute force which means most people burn out or quick before they have their big breakthrough so the dow show business the tagline is something like how to something without losing your mind right and you might know <laughs> i can't even remember it right now um, and so it was a roadmap for like how to really use your all the hard work you're putting in and do it in a strategic way so that you can not only move forward faster, but feel better in the process. Okay. And that, that book just emerged straight out of the work that I was doing at the time, you know, teaching my workshops and coaching actors one on one. Why write a book? Why was that a thing you wanted to do? At the time. It felt strategically like a really, well, there were two motivations. So from the business side, the motivation was I can really put my stake in the ground and claim my space as an expert, even given the fact that I've never even been on a television set. Right. So here I was this outsider in a lot of ways, but I had a lot of expertise. So it was like, how do I next level my own reputation? Mm-hmm. And I also just felt really called to serve. I've never, that's not true. I've met two groups of people who are so purpose-driven and that's coaches, right? Really called to serve and they feel like their purpose, their life experience has led them to a point where now it's time to help others learn. Um, and actors feel exactly the same way. So I was really motivated to help actors like stop suffering so much right and really experience themselves living out their purpose and so the book was a guide for that yeah so after a couple of years after you published the book mm -hmm. um you actually and I, I actually started to piece these these things together as i was doing the research i'm like oh wow at around the time that you were pregnant and having a baby that's around the time that you were changing the focus of your business from actors to coaches close yeah so right around the time i was pregnant i started having coaches like tap me on the shoulder because they saw what i had built and they just wanted guidance or mentorship from me so this was never really part of my plan 
Mm-hmm. And at the time I thought, oh, I love what I'm doing so much. Okay, like I guess I can help you, but I, it never even occurred to me that I would be here now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started just mentoring other coaches on the down low as I still was running my actor business. And then the birth of my daughter really changed a lot for me. Yeah. Um, the big one was we decided that we wanted to raise her in a media free household. So we got rid of our television and we're just like screen free in our house. Mm-hmm. So you can't really be an expert on the entertainment industry if you don't consume the product of the entertainment industry, right? Yeah. So I started, two things started to happen. Number one, I felt less and less connected to the machine that is the entertainment industry still was so much connection to the artists but not the mechanism right i also saw that i the expertise i needed to maintain in order to really do my job well i was no longer interested in maintaining those expertise and i was starting to see the impact the ripple effect that was happening with the coaches i was mentoring because the the transformation they were experiencing because of their success, but also the people that they were transforming because of their success. So my daughter was two when I decided to, we moved out of LA. I decided to just close the doors. I had a like farewell tour (laughs) Um, and then started mentoring coaches full-time. Yeah. Okay. This is, I love to pause in these really big pivotal points because Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are listening right now who are actually kind of scared to put a stake in the ground and to say, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do because they're afraid that what if this is not the thing that I want to do forever? What if I grow this thing so exponentially that I'm kind of trapped in this thing that I don't even want anymore? And you were there. You had a membership that had, you know, 500, 600 actors in it and I am very curious to know what was that decision like for you and how did you go about closing down like a business that had really gotten a mind of its own? Yeah, that's such a good question. So one of my core values, Ina, is agency, which is this deep awareness of choice and ownership of the results of your choices, right? So agency is really rooted in freedom. So what I know through living right is that i have agency in every moment right Mm -hmm. some of us depending on our lived experience and our level of privilege have more agency or less in any given moment but there is like some some agency exists for all of us um, especially for entrepreneurs building a business so looking back i see and there's zero regret here but i knew even before my daughter was born that i was ready to make a move and it took me two and a half years to make the move The thing that stopped me was twofold. Number one, my business serving actors, we were making really close to seven figures a year. So it was kind of not why it was, it felt unwise to just close that down. Mm -hmm. Number two, I felt so connected to the community and I fell into a little bit of over responsibility and maybe a little of ego, like, oh, what will they do without me? They're fine. (laughs) Everyone survived, right? But at the time I was very emotionally attached. Yeah. Um, But really the thing that created the permission structure was to make the change. Number one, I knew that I knew how to build a business. 
not only because I had done it before, but now I was mentoring other coaches and saw that what I was teaching them to do was also working for them. So I really knew that I could do it again if I wanted to. Yeah. And then it just became misaligned with my values to stay in a business because it was profitable and a bit of a cash cow simply because it was profitable and a cash cow. Now, I'm not, I love the money, right? We all like values driven people need to make a lot of it, but that like wealth is not one of my top five core values. So it was misaligned, right? Cause that was the, like the reason to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had to ask myself, how do I want to feel every day in my business and knowing the way that I want to feel and the, the answer was I wanted to feel creative and I wanted to feel light. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a while. It doesn't really feel creative anymore. And it didn't feel light at all. So given that I want to feel creative and light, if that's my compass, what's the choice I want to make? Yeah. And if yeah. I had it to do again, I would have made that er- earlier because I was so done by the time I finally made the decision that I just like flash sailed all of my courses. I'm like, they're all $100. You've got till the end of the week to buy them. And I could have sold the business had I started that process earlier, but I just waited until I just like didn't care. Uh, so tell us a little bit of what that, what that process of starting the new business was. So you had already been getting inquiries for, it sounds mm-hmm. like a couple of years, you know, starting to help coaches. So at which point did you kind of like made the, make the full switch? And what were your first steps to be like, okay, you know what, if I'm going to make this work, I need to, and what was your list? I need to start a podcast. I need to start this container. I need to start getting myself on social media. Like what was your list of things you needed to, like, to make the coaches business as successful as the actor's business? Yeah. Yeah. So um, as soon as I decided, the first thing was, how do I want to close the the last chapter in the book for actors, right? And feel great about that. So I wasn't even, at that time I had, I don't know, probably four or five private coaching clients, like as coaches as my clients, right? It's very Mm -hmm. meta. And I had one small group and that all just came through referrals. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to just close this first chapter gracefully. And now it felt very much like a clean slate. I'll tell you the first year I went official in serving um, coaches, I, it was a $500,000 year Mm -hmm. because I knew what I was doing, right? So then I just apply. So what did I do first? I applied what I call the ripple effect system. And it's really just focusing on private clients first. Get so good at that, that you're never worried about a client leaving. You're never, there's no pressure that the course you want to launch has to work because you've put all of your eggs in that basket. You're still like doing your market research through your work with private clients. So the first thing I knew I needed to do was fill my, fill another small group and bring on a couple more private clients. I did that through referral marketing. Why referral marketing? I believe it's the thing that you don't need a website for, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? You, You just need to be willing to ask. But also when I looked back at my own history, it was word of mouth marketing was the magic key that led directly to all of the successes I had had before. So if for someone listening, maybe referral marketing wasn't the thing for them, it's just taking a look at what is my strength or what is my track record and how can I go all in on that thing to accomplish the next goal? So for me, it was referral marketing. Can you tell us Um, a little bit of what you mean when you say referral marketing? Yeah, so it's like referral marketing 
combined with what I call experiential marketing. So as a coach, you know, I had four, so I had a group of four and let's just say five private clients. So I had nine people who knew what it was like to work with me. So I reached out to those nine people <laughs> and said, I've got, I'm filling another small group and I'd like to bring in two more private clients. Who can you think of that could benefit from an hour with me to see what we can accomplish and then decide if they want to hire me? So all nine people like sent me somebody. And just like that, I had another small group filled in my private client roster full. So it's really about being brave enough to ask the clear question so that the people who want to show their appreciation and support know exactly how to do that. So nice. you ask for the referral and what you're asking for is like invite someone into an experience with me so that they can then decide for themselves how they want to move forward. Yeah. I love it. Love it. With does mm -hmm. affiliate commission come into play in referral marketing? Maybe someday down the road, but if you're if you know, if you're making less than 250K in your business, the people, people refer to you because they adore you and appreciate you, not because they're going to make $250 or whatever the affiliate commission is. So I have found, I'm curious what you think about this, but sometimes an affiliate structure complicates things mm -hmm. and can even uh, work as an anti-motivator, right? When you just are authentically asking one-to-one -one for a one-to-one -one referral, it doesn't need to be complicated. Like send a thank you gift or show your appreciation in other ways. But I have not found affiliate commission to be a big motivator when it comes, when it's a strategy to fill in your private client roster. I think you're really onto something because <laughs> this is a, a a real life example. Okay. After I came back from an experience with a coach, I sent a message to all my closest entrepreneurial friends and I told them, we all need to meet up at the next live event. And some of them said, yes, some of them couldn't, but like, that's how I was spreading it. Two months before the event, the event sends out a message saying, oh, we'll give you affiliate commission if you send people our way. And by then I'm like, well, I'm already involved in my own promotions. Like, I don't have time to promote you right now, but yeah. I had already done it mm -hmm. just because I wanted to. And an, and an affiliate commission was not enough of an incentive for me to stop everything I was doing to promote them. I was already promoting them indirectly to my friends. Like I was already doing that. So I, I think you're really onto something with that. Yeah, it's been my experience. So thank you for that story because it's the perfect illustration of this point in action. You yeah. know, there's a time and a place for an, like a full affiliate launch. But if you're in the space where you're looking to fill a small group and bring in a handful of private clients, you don't have to get, get it so complicated. Let me ask you something. I'm very curious sure. about this. Um, <laughs> I'm about to quote you back to you. Oh, no. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I don't um, know. And I know I'm very, I'm honestly really curious. So in 2014, you did a podcast interview and we're going to put the links in the show notes so everybody can get access to those interviews. Cause like it's gold every time that you, that you open your mouth to, uh, to talk about this stuff anyway. So in 2014, you did a podcast interview. You were still in your actor's business mode. Mm -hmm. All right. Then in 2015, you did another podcast interview and now you were in your coach's world. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm going to read both quotes to you. Okay. And I just want you to tell me what was going on there. What's your first impression of this? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 2014, you said about actors, about actors and their marketing. 
I don't really believe in niche or brand because in principle, those concepts can provide a lot of clarity, but for a lot of us, it tends to put blinders on us. And then it becomes about developing a caricature or communicating based on what you look like instead of who you are and what you contribute. If people know who you are, your type matters less. Okay. Now your quote from 2015 was, I hyper niched myself. I am mm -hmm. such a believer in getting overly specific about the audience that you serve, because the more specific you can be, the more specific your dream clients can say yes to you because you're speaking to them. So these seemed like at face value, kind of like contradicting points, like one year we say niching is not for us. The next year, completely different business, completely different kind of audience. You're like, okay, niching is a thing. And I really had to hyper niche myself. Can you tell us what is going on in these two statements and how you reconcile them? Yeah. And then I want to talk about my perspective today because I'm going to contradict myself three times in love one it. interview. <laughs> love, I, I love this so much. Please enlighten us. Uh, okay. So the distinction I want to draw here is self-centered marketing versus client-centered marketing. So that first quote, speaking to actors, the context around that is there was a big focus for actors around what's my type? Do I play the quirky librarian? So if I play the quirky librarian, I'm going to have a headshot where I've got like glasses on and maybe I'm making a quirky little smirk and I might even have a book in my arm. And that is so incredibly surface level that it might work to if there's a one line role for a care for an actor to be a quirky librarian, but that does not a career make. Yeah. So actors were finding that, okay, great. I'm like booking these very specific caricature type roles, but I'm not able to build a career off of that. And it's because those caricatures turned into a mask in a lot of ways. And the whole strategy was self-centered. How do people see me and how do I need to present myself in order to get what I want, right? Mm -hmm. So switching to coaching where I talked about hyper-niching, oh, this is so good too, because my, like, it just re is reflecting to me my own evolution. Yeah. This is more of a client-centered approach, right? Where it's like, what do I need to communicate to help people identify their own needs versus who do I need to be to get chosen, right? What do I need to communicate to help you choose yourself? Mm. So the more specific I can be in a message versus what I look like, right? The more specific I can be in a message, the easier it is for you, my dream client, to step forward. So here we are in 2023. I have a, a very strong opinion about niching once again, and it's different. So it's not about a narrow niche anymore, Ina, because it can just get a little twisted, right? In the same way for actors that it became about being a caricature instead of showing your real self, there's all this talk about narrowing your niche and the guidance around that most often is some version of an ideal client avatar worksheet where you're answering surface level questions like what is your dream client's favorite morning drink and what magazines do they read i'm sorry have you ever hired a coach because of the magazines that they read no so again we're kind of back to 
accidentally becoming too surface level, right? And thinking that if I serve uh, 45-year-old divorcees who work in advertising and love O Magazine, that somehow that's going to attract them. So mm -hmm. today, my position on niching is forget about going narrow. Instead, you have to go deep. So when we go deep, it's interesting because this is exactly what I talked about to actors and I never put it together until this very conversation. When we go deep, we tap into the shared experience that our dream clients hold. And now these surface level details like their gender, I could have a, we could have a whole conversation about the harm of gender marketing, first of all, but gender and age and whether they drink tea or coffee in the morning, that stuff does not matter at all because we're speaking into the, the shared experience and the transformation that they crave. So it's kind of like ripping off the mask again and focusing on what matters. I love that so much. So I I think this is a really, really good point for you to tell us a little bit more about the hive. So mm -hmm. how did you come up with the hive and this I, I feel like this is perfect because we're talking about ideal client when you mm -hmm. were defining what the container was going to be and who it was going to attract yeah. uh, what were you what were you thinking about what were you envisioning for the hive yeah so the hive is a year-long mentorship program for values-driven coaches and the shared experience and that's it So they don't specialize in XYZ thing. I don't know their favorite color, <laughs> but their shared experience is, is pretty specific. Their life experience brought them to coaching, whether that's success in the corporate world, whether that's overcoming an illness, whether that's like moving through divorce, you name it, right? Becoming a professional dancer, it doesn't matter. Their shared experience brought them to a place where they wanted to help others with a similar shared experience have a similar transformation. The other piece that was really important around my deep niche is that these coaches value coaching a lot and have had an experience or 10 in the online space where they signed up for a course that didn't really deliver on the promise, right? Or bought some program that had a guarantee and that guarantee wasn't met. And suddenly they started to wonder what's wrong with me? When in fact, all of these other things they were learning weren't meeting them where they were at. And where they were at was in desperate need of boring foundations in their business that, that were reliable and time-tested and gave them something to build off of. So that's what the hive delivers. And how many people do you have in the hive? Do you cap it? When do yeah. you open it? Do you is it open year round? Do you launch it? What is your process? Sure. sure. So I am the program is very hands-on. So we only accept 75 members a year. So whenever we hit 75, we're done for the year. That allows us to deliver the level of care that I think is missing in a lot of large group programs. Because coaches who are in their first five years of business don't necessarily have the comfort um, or the budget to invest in a 25K, 50K, 100K mastermind, right? But they need more than just a course. So we limit enrollment. I don't believe that you should join a program because the cart is closing. You should join the program because the timing is right for you. So we do have rolling enrollment up until we hit that cap. And I, I launch the program a couple times a year as well, um, but we have rolling enrollment. So, and it's just so much fun because I'm very intimately involved in 
coaching each member. So I selfishly just get to spend my time with these values-driven people who are working really hard to create something they're proud of. And I love every minute of it. Can you tell us the link so we can put it in the show notes? Yeah, sure. It's dallastravers.com forward slash apply. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. Can you tell us, Dallas, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? I, and I can't put my finger on it and it still always surprises me, but I think there is something about me that causes people to assume that I have it all together all the time. And I have it together like a lot of the time, but I came up to my office this morning and looked around and thought, oh, I can tell I'm overwhelmed because there are there were 11 pairs of discarded socks just scattered all over my office and they're all mine. <laughs> I get hot in the afternoon and out, off come my socks, right? So yeah. I try hard to show um, uh, to show like the human side of me, but there's something about the way that I present which, and I don't want to say it's intimidating because it's not that, but it can cause people to sort of feel like they need to be on their game when I'm not on my game, like 49% of the time. And finally, if everybody who's listening had mm -hmm. to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? I'm, I'm not going to try to be clever, right? Because I feel like I'm going to give advice that your listeners have heard before, but maybe there's a reason that they've heard before. There's that thing that we've all been thinking about doing and it like makes its way to the bottom of the list yet again, probably because the stakes feel a little higher than we're comfortable with. My invitation is to set a timer for 90 seconds and just do the damn thing because thinking about doing it is way more painful than actually doing it. And the problem with thinking about doing it is then we're never, we're always in the pain. So even if it falls so hard on its face, at least you can relate to yourself as the person who did the scary thing instead of the person who's preparing to get ready to begin. So that's it. Set up a timer and just go and do it. Do yeah, it. That, that thing, the thing that, that like, thing. keeps moving to the next day. Yeah, they know. They know. They know, they, they know what it is. Like, <laughs> you, know who we're, you know who we're talking to. Um, Dallas, this has been amazing. What an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Can you please tell everybody where to go and find you, where to go and follow you? Sure. Well, we're listening to a podcast. So the first place you should go is to my show. It's called Coaches on a Mission. I actually coach people on the show. So if you're a love of coaching, you'll really like that. And then I love um, I love it when people hit me up in my DMs. So you can find me on Instagram at Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. Love it. And we're going to put all those links in the show notes, including your application link. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. This has been so amazing. Oh, it was so fun. Thanks for the great questions. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this episode, you may have a million questions. You can DM them all to me on Instagram at Ina Coveney, or you can head over to our free Facebook community and post your question there. Go to getclientsfirstpodcast.com slash Facebook or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit follow or subscribe on your podcasting app so you don't miss another episode of the Get Clients First Podcast. Coach, you got everything it takes to blow up your business, and I'm here to give you all the guidance and the push you need week after week. So it's a date. I'll see you on the next one. <music>